The number of Korean victims of Japanese wartime sexual slavery stands at a little over 20 now. We're talking about surviving victims here from the total of 240 officially registered as victims by the government initially. The actual figure estimated to be well into the thousands. But the apology that the surviving as well as deceased victims have been seeking all their lives in many cases seems to have been far from arriving. Japan recently renewing its claim that the issue's been resolved finally and irreversibly, including according to that bilateral agreement in December of 2015. Uh, that came to us from a new foreign policy report out of Tokyo, but um, Japan has made similar claims about the 1965 treaty normalizing ties between South Korea and Japan. Let's get a different perspective on all of this with Mary Brucht, who actually depicted the suffering of so-called comfort women in her debut novel, White Chrysanthemum. Thank you very much for joining us today. Oh, you're You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Can you just tell our listeners a little bit about you and your background and, and how you came to be interested in, in an issue that really moves Korea but is not necessarily known widely around the world? Um, yes, so my mother was born and raised in South Korea, and she ended up marrying a military serviceman from the U.S. Army, and so I grew up in Texas, and I studied anthropology and psychology at university, and all throughout my studies, we never came across any information about the comfort women. It wasn't until after graduation, when I was um, accompanying my mother to South Korea on a trip, to kind of visit her hometown and um, all of our relatives there, that when I was doing some research about where we were going, I came across an article about the comfort women, and that was really the first time I heard about them. And I was in my 20s already, and I was quite shocked that it wasn't a part of our history that we're taught in schools about World War II. Were you looking for a novel to, to write, or, or did the story prompt you to write the novel? No, I, I um, was still sort of finding my way in life, so I hadn't decided to become a writer at that time. And nearly 12 years passed um, before I saw The Comfort Woman in the News once again. And that, at that time, I was um, in an MA program for creative writing. And I was quite shocked that in 12 years, they were still protesting and um, fighting for the same reparations and the same apology, and then nothing had happened in over a decade. And that was the first time I thought uh, about what I could do as someone in the West who was quite shocked about, you know, the first time I heard about them, and then doubly shocked that nothing had been done um, to help them. So that was the first moment I sat down to write something. And what I actually wrote was a short story, and, it, and a year later I turned it into a novel. Right, it, it's a it's an explanation that we often do hear from novelists. For any would-be writers out there, don't necessarily discount your short stories. Um, Mary Bragg, I'd like to ask you a bit more about the narrative here. It's a story of two Korean sisters separated by the Second World War, and that's an, a narrative that is enduring in life and in art over human history. Uh, is that... Um, something that was inspired by real facts, or did you think that was just the best way to tell this story? I think when, when I was doing the research about, um, 
a lot of the testimonies that they comfort women who had survived and who had come forward and agreed to tell their stories. The biggest, um, I think, thing for me that kind of stood out in all of their stories altogether was missing their families um, when they were trapped in these brothels and taken to far-off countries outside of Korea. It was a pool of, of home and family that I think really helped them survive. So when I was thinking about writing this book, um, I thought I tried to think about what would help Hannah, who is the older sister who was sent to the brothel, what would help her survive such a, a terrible predicament. Um, and I thought it would have to be sort of the, the longing to return home and this bond between her younger sister, who she had promised to protect for the rest of her life. Um, and it just kind of grew from there. The life in those wartime or colonial era brothels, they, I mean, that side of the story is not actually often told in all the news reports we're exposed to. How, how did you go about researching what it was actually like, the conditions? Well, when the first um, comfort women came forward in the 90s, a lot of their stories were published. Um, they were documented by women's groups, they were documented by anthropologists and sociologists, so they were all out there in libraries, they're online, they're also in documentaries, so I read as many as I could, um, and it's, it's quite difficult reading, and they go into great detail about their treatment and what they went through and their daily lives, and I thought it was important to put some of that in the book because, you know, when we see these grandmothers on the television protesting and you know, sometimes they're crying, you know, as they're talking to reporters about what's happening. We don't really see them as the young people they were. Some of them were just teenagers um, or, or just very young women. And we don't, we don't remember them in that way. We just see these older women crying on TV. And so I thought it was very important to show what they lived through and why it's so tragic that they're not recognized today. But you still also capture, don't you, the, the modern-day reflection on all this through the, the sister, the, the younger sister, um, as she reflects on, on her life near the end of her years. Uh, was that yeah. because of all the pain you're seeing among the elderly now that you really wanted to use that opportunity? I think so, but... Um, or in, in the Korean version, she's called Ami. Um, she's more sort of us looking back and sort of the people who are left behind, all of their families who, I mean, they think 200,000 women were taken away, and like you said, only 240 were registered. You know, so many lives were lost, so many stories were lost. We don't know what happened to these girls, how long they lived in the brothels, did they make it to the brothels, um, because it, sometimes the transportation of these girls was quite a long journey, um, and it was in the middle of a war, so we don't know what happened to them. So Emmy is sort of this, the memory of all of these girls whose voices we don't get to hear, but also Korea, and Korea has such a, as you know, a tragic history, war-torn history, and so Emmy lived through not only World War II, but the Korean War, and rebuilding of the country, and so she's sort of like the historical look back. There are so many different aspects of this novel we could reflect on. Um, I'd like to touch on a couple more, though. The the fact that you've managed to weave into it the Korean Henya experience, the, the female divers from Jeju Island, how, how and why did you do that? Well, I, when I was doing research about um, Korea and all of the wars um, that, uh, that kind of happened from the, 
sort of when Japan first um, took over Korea and annexed Korea. Um, I just came across a small article on the Jeju Divers, and I just thought they were wonderful. I'd never heard of them. Um, but they sort of were going through the same same aging process that the um, comfort women were going through because not a lot of their daughters were following them into the sea. So most of these women are also elderly, and there was a threat that they were dying off as well, and we're going to lose this great Korean tradition of henyo divers. And I thought that was a great um, kind of parallel storyline. But also I was looking for something else for Hannah to help make her different, um, give her uh, a different part of her character that would help her to survive. And as these women use their bodies physically in the sea, they're quite strong and resilient. And I thought it was a great sort of backstory for Hannah to help her survive the terrible situations in the brothel. The description that I see here from the Guardian's review of your novel is that the language is blunt with every page shouting of wrongs perpetrated. The the idea as well put forward here is that you don't necessarily uh, try to show and, and not tell, but that you do um, reveal exactly what the characters are, go- are going through. Um, I'd just like to ask you as a writer how you approach that side of it. I think what I tried to do was to make it as visceral as I could without making it so horrible that you just didn't want to read it. Um, because I, I didn't want to depict the rape scenes in a way that it became sexual or sexy. I wanted to depict them as it would have been for these girls as horrifying and painful and not a choice that they would have made for themselves. And so I, I had to use not pretty language and not flowery descriptions, but quite blunt language to simply bring it across. Speaking of uh, flowery descriptions, of course, the title of your book is White Chrysanthemum, chrysanthemum being the flower on the imperial seal of Japan. It is also a, a flower with great symbolic importance in that country in particular. Um, but can you spell out for us why you or your publisher chose that as the title of the book? You know, I thought, you know, when I f- first realized it was the imperial seal of Japan, I thought how interesting that they would pick a flower of mourning that's used in funerals and something that has this connection of grief and sadness and i thought it just it fit the storyline perfectly yeah well it's um certainly a beautiful flower and and i think a very evocative title as well even transcendent of the of the subject matter at hand um and, and as certainly drawn a lot of people i think to your book we also wanted to ask you about your feelings um now today politically almost every wednesday in central seoul i i see the protests outside the japanese embassy in seoul what what are your hopes for the surviving comfort women today well i hope that i mean i when i was writing it i i really hoped that people would read the book and, and come to this issue openly and see them as, you know, young people who had lived this horrible life that led to them becoming these activists and elderly women who have to protest, and to see them as survivors, but also as very strong.
strong human beings and individuals who endured war and to, to give them the respect that I think they truly deserve. Thank you so much, Mary Bracht, author of White Chrysanthemum. Wonderful to have you with us on the line today. Thank you so much. And now at nearly 7.45, let's continue the show with our latest news bite. And Kim Hye-young, good morning.